Turn with me please this evening to scripture in the gospel accounts in the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. We began last week a new series that we're calling Faith for Miracles. Faith for Miracles. And I want to continue in it. I want to ask you to believe with me. And let's all pray and believe together right now for utterance. Father, in Jesus' name, we all agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, asking you for the manifesting and moving of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, asking you for light and understanding, eyes that see, ears that hear, answers to questions. Pull back the cover and cloak of what the enemy has done to hide and confuse and distort. And let us see the truth that makes us free in all these areas. And and we purpose what you show us to value it and to esteem it, count it precious, and demonstrate that by being a doer of it. And we say get glory to yourself in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say it out loud if you mean it. I'm a doer. I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the Word of God. Hallelujah. In Mark the ninth chapter, and here in verse 14, Mark 9, 14. Now what has happened here is that Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went up to a high mountain. And while he was there, he became transfigured. His appearance changed. It said his his clothes shine whiter than snow, whiter than any bleach could ever make anything, gleaming and glistening white. And then appeared Elijah and Moses, who... Haven't lived on the earth for centuries. Just because you're no longer living on the earth doesn't mean you don't exist anymore. And Jesus is talking to Elijah, who lived centuries ago, and Moses, even centuries further back. And they are talking to him sent from heaven, from the Father. To talk to him about what's about to happen in him going to the cross. Preparing him for what's about to happen. You know, uh, when they came to take Jesus in the garden, you remember that? And he said, who are you looking for? And they said, he said, I am. I'm him. I am. When he said it, they all fell back on the ground. Demonstrating. Nobody took him. He let himself be taken. He said, I have this commandment from my Father. No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. That's talking about after he's dead. But he was not shocked and surprised when it came time to go to the scourging post and to the cross. Among other things, uh, Elijah and Moses talked to him about it. About what's going to happen. 
And anyway, he's there in this glory. And Peter and the others, you know, man, we're having an experience here. They're seeing glittering, glistening glory. They see Elijah. They saw Moses. They heard him talk. And they do not yet realize who Jesus is. So they put him, which was, they probably thought they were really doing something, to equate him on the level of Moses and Elijah. And he said, let's build three tabernacles here. They were, he, he was ready to start the three tabernacle denomination. And that's when the Father spoke from heaven and personally distinguished the Master from Moses and Elijah. He said, this is my beloved Son. They all heard it right out of the air. Listen to Him. And so Jesus and the disciples come down out of this glory. And they walk right in. To one big entanglement of strife and turmoil. It's no wonder that Jesus said, twisted and unbelieving generation. How long am I going to put up with this? He, such a contrast between what they just experienced and now what they're walking back into. Which is a picture of how you and I should live and have to live. We're not supposed to pull away from the world and society permanently. We're to be the light of the world. You can't do that closed off out in the wilderness. But you are to have times where you pull away. And you seek the Lord. And you get still and know that He is God. And you turn off all the influences of the world. And you can have glorious times with Him. But then you got to come right out of that <laughs> and back into people's fussing and arguing and sinning. And, and what's happening, he came and his disciples, he took you know three of them with him, but the rest of them are there. And he saw a great multitude about him and the scribes questioning with them. Keep reading. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. They didn't know what had happened, but there was something about him that was remarkable. And it was this experience that they all just had. That glory was still there. And he asked the scribes, what are you questioning with them about? And what had happened, if you read the rest of the story, is that... Uh, this man had brought his son to the disciples for him to get set free and they tried everything they knew and it didn't work and the boy didn't get set free and apparently these scribes and religious leaders are exploiting their failure publicly and grilling them with questions in front of other people, why didn't this work? Oh, y'all are supposed to have the answers. Faith people. Word people. Y'all can overcome anything. Y'all can cast out anything. Where's all that faith at now? Why couldn't you do it? And the disciples themselves were asking the same question amongst themselves. Why, why, why couldn't we do it? Because they had seen healing after healing and deliverance after deliverance. And so when this came up, the man who brought his son to the disciples, he spoke up when Jesus said, what are y'all wrestling about, disputing about, arguing about? 
The man said, I brought to you my son, which has a dumb spirit. So I guess maybe he wanted to see Jesus initially, but Jesus wasn't there. He's up in the mount. And so he brought him to the disciples. And he said, uh, wherever this spirit takes him, he tears him and foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. They couldn't do it. They tried to. And Jesus answered him and said, God's ways are mysterious. And we don't understand why people have these incapacitating diseases, debilitating inadequacies and problems. But just be assured that God has a reason. I just quoted three-fourths of the churches in the country. But you'll never find Jesus saying that. I said you'll never find Jesus saying that. I said you'll never find Jesus saying any of that. So why do so many people so hardline believing that? Why? They get mad at people like me. Scoff and mock and and threaten their people if they dare come to a service like ours. (laughs) Which just makes them want to come. Check it out. Why? Because tradition, religious tradition has replaced the word of God in many, many places. People will fight you over their tradition and not have one scripture for it. And in fact, scripture that contradicts it. What did Jesus say in light of this? In light of this terrible situation this man has been dealing with with his son I get for years. In light of the disciples, apostles' failure. In light of all this, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? First word. Faithless. So what's the problem you reckon? What's the problem? faithless generation why don't we stay with what Jesus said the problem is religion wants to make it all about the will of God Jesus said it was about faith I said religion wants to make it about the will of God why because that's convenient I said that's convenient if it's all up to God nothing's my responsibility if it works out not my fault if it didn't work out not my fault it's a very convenient doctrine takes all responsibility off of us only problem is it also removes you having miracles getting your prayers answered getting your needs met and Results in blasphemy. In people actually attributing the evil works of the devil to our good father. God is not stealing and killing and destroying. Jesus very plainly said, it's the thief, the devil, who's doing that. And this obviously wasn't the work of the father in this boy having 
seizures and foaming at the mouth and trying to kill himself, throwing himself in fire and water and all this junk, because if it had been the Father, Jesus would never have commanded it to leave. Jesus said, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Bring him here to me. Oh, friends, if a hundred preachers prayed and nothing happened, (laughs) still come to Jesus. Still come to Jesus and get you some help. And when he saw him straight with the Spirit, tore him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? He said, of a child. So this has been disrupting this family for years. Oh, friends, I know I've said it repeatedly, but listen to me. Do not let somebody try to tell you that things that destroy the lives of our children and disrupt our homes and take all our money are somehow the mysterious will and plan of God. It is not. I said it's not. It is not. And you don't have to just embrace it and accept it. We need to resist it. We need to believe against it. He said, oft times it's cast him into the fire, the waters to destroy him, but if you can do anything. Now see, he's probably, he must have had some hope because he came there and brought his boy. And he obviously had heard that other people had been getting healed and get set free. And so it'll come to pass in this place that the word will begin to get out. I was healed. I was delivered. I was set free. And others will come hoping, could it happen for me? Could it happen for me? And yes, it will. And yes, it will. Come on, somebody say, yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And you and I, you and I, happy, happy core. What do you mean? The core group here and the group of Branson that are here in the beginning parts of this church and Branson that are hooked together. You and I have a responsibility for getting hold of this word that's happening right now and believing God and getting our needs met and getting healings and getting miracles because it'll be a witness to others and it'll help them and draw them and then their families will hear about the goodness of God and they'll come and they'll get saved. They'll get saved in other places. Can you see how it works? It just mushrooms. It just blossoms. It just blooms. Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Can you see it? All this is connected. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. There's a reason you're here. I said, there's a reason you're here. There's a re- Instead of somebody else, there's a reason you, Missy, you, mister, are here and in Branson sitting in that seat and you watching there right now over the internet. There's a reason why. Because God knew you would believe this. 
He knew you would value it. He knew you would treasure it. He knew you'd reach out and lay hold of it. He knew you would. And so here you are for such a time as this. (laughs) We got some happening stuff in front of us. Glory to God. But if we're going to have something different that other folks have, something that not everybody has had, we're going to have to think different, believe different, do some things different, right? Doing the same thing everybody else is doing, you're going to get the same thing everybody else is doing. So get ready to get stretched a bit. Famous last words of dying, drying up and dying churches are... Well, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> never seen it like, never heard it like That's how you dry up and you die. How would we imagine we have arrived and don't need to change and don't need to make any adjustments? We need to change. Say it out loud. We need to change. We need to grow. We need to learn. We need to adjust. Teach us, Lord. We'll hear it. We'll receive it. it. And by your grace, grace, we'll do it. We'll do it. it. Hoo-wee. Mm-mm-mm. (laughs) Boy, there's nothing I like better than to move into the Spirit. Glory of God. How about you? The goodness of God. He said... Faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. What did Jesus say the problem was, saints? Faithlessness. Faithlessness. Then don't let anybody with initials after their name, any group, any denomination, tell you that that's not it. Don't let anybody tell you, well... That was the healing dispensation and miracle dispensation. And Jesus had that power and the disciples had that power. But when they all died, all that ceased. So what are you, what are you saying? You're saying it's not the will of God for that kind of thing to happen like that. Now, that's not what Jesus said. He said it was faithlessness. He kept it from happening. I'm going to believe this. I've made my choice. I believe this. He went on to say, they brought him, and, and when he saw him, the spirit tore him, and fell. he fell on the ground, wallowed foaming. He said, how long is it to go since this came to him? He said, of a child, oft times, many times, it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. I mean, they, they can't have sleep at night. They don't know if the boy's going to jump up and run, try to hurt himself. Everywhere they go, they got to watch him, and you'll have... Thousands of preachers today will tell you similar situations that God made them that way and put that in their life. We don't understand why, but it's teaching something and it's to show. No, it's not. No. Because if that was true now, it would have been true then. And Jesus would have told them so. He'd have told this man what people are saying now. He'd have said, well, I know it's hard. But you just, you don't want to buck against the will of God. 
and just believe God to give you grace to deal with this situation and just know that God made him that way. The reason I keep saying this because if you believe that, you can never have faith for a miracle in that. You can ne- you'll never have faith. As long as you're not sure whether it's God's will for that to be that way or not, impossible to have faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing. And when you hear it, then you know what the will of God is. Keep reading. Now, I know, I know that flies in the face of centuries of tradition and all kind of teaching and preaching. Don't take my word for it. If you want to believe something different and be honest about it, find the scriptures for it, for what you say you believe. Find one place where Jesus ever told somebody, I'm sorry, but it's not the will of God to heal you. The glory of God's going to be shown more. I know you don't understand it right now, but the glory of God's going to be shown more by you having this disease in your life, uh, by your kids being in Show me one place, one place. Or whether, or in, whether the disciples ever said anything, or the apostles, or the book of Acts, or, or the epistles. Or. It's a modern invention, these doctrines. Trying to explain what folks haven't understood, trying to to hide faithlessness. It's a covering for faithlessness. But I'd rather admit my faith is short than to believe a lie. How about you? I'd rather just fess up and admit, well, my faith needs to come up than to try to propagate some error that would keep me from looking bad. Jesus said, when the man said, if you can do anything, he's he's desperate, isn't he? He's desperate. He thought he might get some help. He thought, well, maybe something will happen when he brought him to the disciples. And man, they prayed and they rebuked and they bound and they cast and they did everything and nothing. Nothing. He's no better. He's the same like he always was. And so even when Jesus came back down the mount, you can tell he hardly has any hope. He's like, if you can do something. Have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Why didn't he bring up the will of God? (laughs) Not one word about the will of God. Why? Because it is the will of God for every captive to be set free. Every lost soul to be saved. It is the will of God for every diseased and sick one to be healed. I know not all are, but not all are saved either. When something doesn't happen, that doesn't prove it was the will of God. There's another factor involved here. Us, you, me, right? Those disciples praying, casting out, believing, did their failure prove that it wasn't God's will to heal that boy? It proved nothing of the kind. 
And if you read the other accounts, Matthew's account says this, when they came to him after this boy is set free, they came to Jesus immediately after this and they said, well, Lord, now why couldn't we get that boy set free? He said, it's because of your unbelief. And then he talked about praying and fasting. And we're going to talk about all that before we get through. But the answer is because of your unbelief. And when he said that, the man's trying to put all the responsibility over on Jesus. If you can help us, do something, please. And Jesus turned the tables and said, no, it's not if I can. That's not the issue here. If you'll believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Did the master say it, friends? Did Jesus say it? Is it true the same today, yesterday, today, and forever? Is it the word of the living God? Said out loud, all things are possible to him that believes. Yeah, but they said it's incurable. Yeah, but they were born that way. You don't have to tell me. I've been doing this longer than a day or two. I know what people label us. I know what they say. I know what they think. But they don't get miracles either. You want something different than most people are getting? You're going to have to believe something different than most people are believing. And do something different than most people are doing. And it's not like we just fabricated this out of the air. We're actually reading in the book of Mark. Red letters. I didn't write this. You didn't write this. Why should people be so bothered by this? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Oh, friend, I believe that's supposed to be ringing in your and my spirit all night tonight, all day tomorrow. Come on, sit out loud. All things, all things are possible to him that believes. That means what people thought couldn't happen can happen. What people thought, well, that's, that's too far gone. That's been severed. That can't be regenerated. No, you just can't regenerate. We know somebody who can. <laughs> but that organ was removed. It's not there anymore. So it's impossible. Yeah, but we know somebody who makes organs. <laughs> somebody say all things, all things, all things, all Things. All things. That means you don't have to die prematurely with that so-called terminal disease. It means you don't have to be incapacitated because of that injury or because of that problem. You can be healed and live a normal full life. You can be. You can be. You can be. You can be. It's not possible for everybody though. It's only possible for those that believe. With a whole lot of people, it is impossible. It'll never happen because they'll never believe it. So for them, it is impossible. They are stuck. They're locked in to what they can see and hear and touch. And if a man or woman or themselves cannot see, hear, and touch it and know how to fix it, they can't have it. Because they won't believe anything else. 
If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. What's the next thing he said? Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Do you believe he's sincere? He said, Lord, I believe. But he didn't stop there. He said, help my unbelief. Now, a lot of word and faith people would have never said this. They'd have never said this. A lot of word and faith people, if Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to you that believe, they'd have said, oh, well, I have faith. Faith's not the problem here. I'm a faith man. <laughs> and they would have been so wrong. Go with me, if you would, please, to the book of uh, Timothy, I believe it is. 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1 and 13. The Bible describes two types. I'm not saying these are the only ones, but two that I'm aware of. Two types of unbelief. Here's one of them. Paul said before he got saved on the road to Damascus, he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was injurious. He got permission from the leaders to go drag people out of their homes and lock them up, imprison them for no other reason except they were Christians. That's what Saul of Tarsus was doing right before he got saved. Enemy of the church, number one. But he said, I obtained mercy. Even though I was that man, I got mercy. Why? Why? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. There is an unbelief that is because of ignorance. You don't believe because you don't know. But that does not describe all unbelief. That was the case with Paul in this instance and the case with many today he really did not know that Jesus was the son of God he really thought he was a fraud he really thought that they had staged his resurrection and he thought this is a cancer in our good you know Jewish synagogues and by God's help I'm going to stamp it out he thought he was doing God's work Persecuting the Christians until he ran head into Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this to me? Why are you persecuting? And and I'm sure he thought, well, he said, who are you? But he knew he was Lord, whoever he was. Who are you, Lord? He really was ignorant. He was full of unbelief concerning Jesus, but it was because of his ignorance. But notice with me, over in the book of Hebrews, and the third chapter, talking about the Israelites that God delivered out of the 
Egyptian bondage and who the first generation refused to go into the promised land when he commanded them to. This is Hebrews 3 and 12. Hebrews 3, 12. He said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Next verse. Exhort one another while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's talking about evil unbelief and hardness of heart. And you couldn't say that those guys that refused to go into the promised land didn't know. They had seen God split the Red Sea. They had seen God deliver them from plague after plague after plague. They couldn't say, we don't know that God has power. How could we know that God could do such a thing? He's demonstrated it over and over and over and over. And when it came time to do it, they refused to believe. But it wasn't because they were ignorant. It was because they were unpersuadable. They refused to believe. And this is called evil. This is evil unbelief. In the 19th verse, it says they could not enter in because of unbelief. Go with me to the book of John, please. John 20. John 20. 25. When Jesus was raised from the dead, John 20, 25. And some of the other disciples had seen him. And they came and told him, they said, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said what? Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I what? I what? I will not believe. That's this unpersuadable. And Jesus reproved him for that. When he came and he said, put your hand here, put your finger here. He said, now you, you believe, he said, my Lord and my God. He said, well, you believe because you saw, but blessed is the one who doesn't see and yet believes. This statement of I won't believe is something that can absolutely hold you out of a miracle. Keep you out of what you need. I will not believe, he said. We don't want to be slow to believe. We don't want to be refusing to believe. We want to be quick to believe. I said quick to believe. Quick to believe. It's not like this is a foreign concept to them. Has the Lord talked to them about what was going to happen? He's going to be raised from the dead. He talked, he talked to them about this. So why should they think it's incredible when somebody comes and says, I saw him. They should have immediately thought, well, he said he was. He said he was, which is exactly what happened with John. Back up to the sixth verse there. You know, when the women told him they had uh, seen the master, Peter and John took off and ran to the tomb to see. John lets us know he outran Peter. You remember that? (laughs) He just threw that in. And in verse 6, well, verse 5, verse 5, John stooped down and looked in and saw the linen clothes lying, and he didn't go in. Verse 6, 
Simon Peter followed him and he went into the sepulcher and seized the linen clothes lie. The body's not there. But the clothes are there. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in the place by itself. The articles were folded up and positioned in an orderly fashion. What's happened in here? What has happened in here? Then went in also that other disciple. Up until this point, John has been outside the door. Looking in there. It's obvious Jesus is not in here. And he's looking at these grave clothes. They all they knew about him. They knew he was wrapped up in the stuff. And that's neatly folded over there. And that's put over there. No doubt these words are coming to him. That the master told him. And he, he talked about the three days and nights. And he talked about the raising from the dead. And he talked about those things. And the Bible said he went in. And he, which came first to the sepulcher. And he saw the conditions that were there. And what did he do? What did he do? He believed. He believed. Now, a lot of the other ones have not yet believed. I think it's possible he was the first of the men to believe. A lot of them still didn't believe after this. It was only later. Jesus walked into the room. They saw him. But John was quick to believe. He was willing to be persuaded. He was willing to be convinced. And to believe something that as far as anybody knew had never happened before. They knew Lazarus had been raised up, but he was mortal and, and, and would die again. But here is the resurrection. And without anybody doing any tests on the tomb or the shroud, without anybody doing any tests or any questions, John decided right then and there, it's happened. It has happened. Jesus is alive. We know he was dead. We saw him. His body was cold and stiff. But his body's not here because he's not dead. He's alive. John believed it right then, right there. Before he saw the master later, before anything else. This is how you want to be right here, friends. You want to be like this. You don't want to be like Thomas. Yeah, if I see it. And I believe. You heard the phrase, seeing is believing? That's completely inaccurate. Seeing is not believing. We walk by faith, not by sight. No. Believing is when you don't see. When you see it, faith is not a factor now. It's when you don't see it and you don't feel it and you don't know how and you don't see if it could, but you just make the choice like John did standing there looking in the tomb. You just decide. You ever heard somebody say, I I just can't believe that. Have you ever heard people say that? I'm sorry. I, I just, I cannot believe all that. That's a lie. They could believe it if they would. They choose not to. I said they choose not to. Faith is a choice. I said faith is a choice. And when this man is standing there in desperation, Jesus, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if I can, 
If you will believe, all things are possible. Is he talking about his boy being healed and made right? It's all possible. If you'll believe right now, what did that man do? Did he make a choice? Did he make a choice right then, right there, when he looked back at him and said, I believe. I believe what you're telling me here. I believe it. But you see, he's lived with this mess for all these years. And so this unbelief is trying to tell him it can't happen. I don't get you're you're a fool out here talking to these preachers. Hmm? Everybody's told you this can't be. This is, he's born this way. This can't be fixed. This can't be changed. There's no cure. There's no help. But he said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And the Lord must have helped him with it because a few verses later, his boy is completely free and healed and was able to live a normal life. Reckon the Lord would help us with our unbelief. I said, reckon the Lord would help us. Hmm? <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it some then. Go with me, please. Back to Mark 9. In uh, Mark 9, when Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes, I want you to look at the verse again, verse 23. If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. Verse 24, what happened? Straightway, the father of the child cried out. What did he say? What did he say? I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. The Lord gave me a phrase. Okay, it's too early to give that phrase. Okay, I got to lay some more ground. Go with me to Numbers, please, then. The 14th chapter. Numbers 14. We're warned in the Word of God in 1 John not to love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Then he mentions three specific things. Because the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And you and I should be on our watch all the time because these are our enemies. And the pride of life, I know from previous experience myself, seems like a whole lot of folks just don't have a clue what that might be. What is the pride of life? The pride of life is the boasting, the glorying in what I am in this life, who I am, what I have, what I've done. And this is always a danger, a temptation in concerning all things, and you can... You can be proud of how much faith you think you have. You can be proud of how spiritual you think you are. You can even be proud of how humble you imagine yourself to be. Which is a blatant contradiction, and yet you can be. There are a lot of folks that are. But there's no place for it. 
in faith. There's no place for pride in faith. There's no place for pretending in faith. The scripture talks about, are you there in Numbers 14? Well, while you got that, they'll put this up on the screen for us. In 1 Timothy 1.5, don't turn there, hold your place. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, the end of the char commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith what? Faith unfeigned. What is faith unfeigned? Faith unfeigned. Unfeigned literally means not pretend. Feign is to pretend. Unfeigned would be not pretend. He mentions it again in 2 Timothy 1.5. He said he remembered the unfeigned faith. He said that's in you, Timothy, that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Unfeigned faith. Everybody say unfeigned. Unfeigned. Faith. And so the Bible also talks about, the New Testament talks in a couple of other places, about unfeigned love. What does unfeigned love mean? Not pretend. So this lets us know there is a pretend love and there is a pretend faith. And the further I go, and Phyllis and I have talked about this in recent times, the further we go, the more we see this is one of the big issues amongst so-called word and faith people. That's That's my group. That's us. But a whole lot of what people have called faith is pretend. I said it's pretend. And there's no place for pretend in real faith in God. Come on, put yourself in this man's situation. Jesus is looking at him. Can you imagine the master looking at you? Come on, the master's looking at you. And you just told him in desperation, Master, help me. Please, have compassion on me and help me. He didn't say, stand aside, I'll take care of it. Did he? He said, you're going to have to do something here if this is going to change. What did he say? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Is this any time to pretend like you have faith when you don't. No. Is this any time to try to impress Jesus? No. Or anybody else that you got faith? Well, everybody's going to know in a few minutes anyway. <laughs> you might as well lay the cards on the table. And if you're not there, you're not there. Which is what he did. He did believe some. He wanted to believe the rest. Was he unpersuadable? No. He was willing to believe. He was ready to believe. But he knew he wasn't there. And he asked for help. I said he asked for help. Didn't he? With his faith. And did he get that help? 
Did he get that help? Did he obviously get the rest of the way to where he needed to be in faith? He must have because his boy gets healed. I said his boy gets healed. There's this fear in our circle more than anywhere else I'm aware of. Word people, faith people. There's this fear and this stigma of you not having faith. And people are afraid that somebody is going to find out that I'm wavering or that I don't have faith. And friend, you don't need to be concerned about what somebody else might find out. I've had more than once people I found out later they said well brother Keith I just I didn't want you to know and and I didn't want to what the stigma about we you know my faith is not there I'm wavering and and I'm full of fear about this and people are so afraid and so proud that somebody might know I'm not at a certain place until they pretend They pretend. They pretend. And that is feigned faith. It's not real faith. And it's why things don't happen. The Lord gave me this phrase. When this man cried out, I don't know if this man could have found three verses in the Bible. He probably couldn't read and write. He knows he needs help. He must have some faith in him or he wouldn't have brought his boy. But to believe that he can just be completely free and healed right now and never have to mess with this again, he's not quite there. He wants to be. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help me with the rest. Help me with the rest. Did the Lord meet him where he was at? Yes. Did he? Yes. Did he meet him where his faith was at and help him get the rest of the way? Did he do it? Yes. And this is what the Lord said to me about this. He said, I'll meet you where you're at. Not where you're pretending to be. He can't work with pretend. He'll meet us where we are. Not where we're pretending to be. He can't be a partner and a part of anything false or phony. I know you're thinking about that. What does pretend faith look like? I'm glad you asked. That's why you're holding numbers 14 right there. What does pretend faith look like? Sound like? Well, it sounds a whole lot like real faith. It's a counterfeit. And feigned love sounds a whole lot. And to the unenlightened, it looks a whole lot like real love. Have you ever been around folks that were just too sweet? (laughs) Just too sweet. It wasn't real. And a lot of these folks, you push them just a little bit and they will erupt, man, and they will attack you like a bulldog. (laughs) But 15 minutes before, they were so sweet. That's not real love. It's religious junk. 
is pretend. It's not real. But people have learned how to try to sound like it, how to try to look like it. And so many people think that the things of God are not any more real to everybody else than they are to them. And sadly, that's the case with many people. You know, many folks don't know. They can say, this is true, and I'm believing this, and I'm in faith for this. And, and folks will go, yeah, yeah, okay, because they don't know either. But faith is not pretend. It's not about imaginations. It's real. And it's very, very personal between you and God. And you need to forget about other people in this and what they think or where they might be. If you're believing for something for you, you need to quit thinking about what other people think and where their faith is at. Now, if you're believing with them, for them, their faith is a factor. You have to hook up with their faith. But if you're believing for you, you don't need to try to impress me with your faith. I'm not the one that meets your needs. Are your brother or sister that you, you know, you, you person you go to church with, sit by and talk scriptures with or whatever, you need to forget about impressing them with your faith. All that's going to do is get in your way and hinder you. You either believe it or you don't. You're either persuaded or you're not. If you're not, it's not the end. I said it's not the end. You can get there. And the Lord will meet you where you are and help you. But you can't pretend like you're somewhere that you're not and make progress. Numbers 14, are you there now? The Israelites have rebelled against the Lord's commands over and over again. Ten major times since he began bringing them out of uh, Egyptian bondage. And now he's told them to go into the land. They refuse to. They refuse to. They want to kill Caleb and Joshua. They are, they want to appoint new leadership and go back to Egypt. And the Lord for lack of a better phrase, he's fed up with it. He said, okay. What you've been saying all these months is going to happen to you. You've been saying you're going to die in the wilderness, and that's exactly what's going to happen to you. So turn around and go back into the desert. And for every day of these 40 days that you refuse to believe my word, you're going to wander around out here a year, and you're all going to die in this wilderness, just like you said. I'm going to bring your kids in, though. They're going to see it. But for you, turn around. Get back in the desert. And verse 44, Numbers 14, 44, what'd they say? What'd they do? But they presumed to go up to the hilltop. Put up Deuteronomy 140. These all go together. Deuteronomy 140, please. He said, Deuteronomy 140, as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And then you answered and said to me, we've sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight according to all that the Lord our God commanded us. No, we're going to go. We're going to go, they said. And they put their weapons on. We're going to go and we're going to take the land. Does that sound like faith? (laughs) Yeah, but the Lord's told you something else now. 
Did you know that people actually try to have faith contrary to what the Lord said? You can't separate faith from God. Oh, you can. People do. But not with good results. You can't separate faith from being led by the Spirit. The Lord's telling them, all right, turn around and go back into the the wilderness. And they said, no, we're here. We messed up. But we're going to do it now. We're going to take the land. Come on, let's get our weapons. Let's go. Verse 42, the Lord said to me, tell them, go not up. Don't fight. I'm not among you. Faith comes from hearing what God has told you. Now, if they'd have listened to him and submitted to him when he said go into the land, faith could have come from that. They could have had faith to go into the land. But now that they've rebelled against him and he told them go back into the desert, you know the only thing they can have faith for now? Is going back into the desert. Because that's what he's told them now. Faith is not just this thing that you imagine and pull out of the air. People are pretending right and left and front and center. And that's why results are not happening. Things are not occurring. But it doesn't change the fact that real faith can receive amazing miracles from God. Always been that way. Will always be that way. But it's just the difference between real faith and pretend faith. We need to be honest with ourselves about what we're believing. Somebody comes to you. Wants you to agree in faith with them. You know believe with me for such and such. And it may sound huge and gigantic. And a lot of times people don't want to. They kind of feel put on the spot. And I don't want to tell you. I, man, I don't know if I can believe with you for two million dollars by the end of the month. I, uh, they, they want to act like. Well sure yeah yeah yeah. Bless God so be it in the name of Jesus. Don't do that. It hurts your faith because you're not believing it. You're pretending. And then when it doesn't happen, that's going to be in your memory the next time you try to believe something. Now, if you really believe it, if the witness is there, if you know it's right, okay. But if you do and if it's real, you know what will happen? It will happen. It will come to pass. But all this playing faith and pretending faith and talking big stuff is hurting the real thing. It's in the way of the real and the genuine. Faith is not imagination. Faith is not desire. It's not wanting something. It's not needing something. It's believing something. It's being persuaded of something. It's being confident of something. I don't claim to know all about this. I'm learning. I want to know more. But every juncture and step that we've taken in the ministry. We, I didn't just jump up one morning and say let's do this. Why do we believe? Have we believed for certain things in the ministry here? We believe for X amount for this. We believe for X amount. Of this. Why not just believe for ten times that? Why not, why not just believe for ten times that? We believe for this. The Lord brought it in. Well, why didn't we just go somewhere else and believe for a hundred acres and ten million dollar facility? A thirty million dollar facility? 
Why not? Why not? I see, a whole lot of people would go, why didn't you? Well, why didn't you believe for 10 million last week and see it come in? Why didn't you? Well, I just sat and decided to. Yeah, right. People are playing games about faith. Just because you say a bunch of stuff don't mean you believe it. You reckon you and I need help with our faith. Hmm? No question about it. Who's going to get the help? You remember any scriptures that talk about who gets grace? Who gets help? The Bible said the proud get resisted. But the humble get grace. Well, grace is help. And with enough help, you can get anything. With enough help from God, you can get anything. With enough help from God, you can believe for any miracle that you need to. With enough help from Him, you can overcome every temptation, every fear, every unbelief. With enough help from Him. But who's going to get the help? Not the pretenders. The honest ones. The humble ones like this man. That'll say, Lord, I believe what you just told me. But I gotta be honest. (laughs) There's unbelief here. Help me, please. Well, that's that was true. That was genuine. That's where he was. Did the Lord meet him where he was? Did he come right where he was? And help him get over the hump and get him where he needed to be. But if he'd have stood there and said, Oh now, faith, I got faith. I got, man, I got a whole closet full of tapes on faith. I You're talking to the faith man. Now, I know you think that sounds funny, but that has happened over and over and over and over again. I was talking to a woman several months ago, and her life was a shamble, just a mess. Can't pay any of her bills, can't do anything. Relationships all terrible. And yet, she broke into a a 30-minute explanation of how her faith was on another level from most people's faith. She lived and operated on another plane of faith than most everybody. She's living in a daydream. I said, she's living in a daydream. Because if she really had faith, I said, if she really did have faith, she'd be getting some answers in her life. It's just not true. She's imagining how spiritual she is. And the Lord's not going to meet her where she pretends to be. (laughs) He would meet her where she is. The Bible said when he told them, don't go up, don't fight. Did he tell them to go get in the desert? Faith comes by what? So what can they have faith to do now? Get themselves in the desert. That's all they can have faith for. It's what he told them to do. But no, they said, no, no, we're here. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so they're acting like they're trying to believe that they can go and they can do this. And it's actually rebellion. It's phony. It's pretend. He said, I spoke to you, but you wouldn't hear. You rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and went presumptuously up into the hill. And the Amorites came against you, chased you, and destroyed you. And you returned and wept before the Lord. Friend, real faith in God never fails. Real love 
never fails. So when you see something that people are calling faith, flopping and failing, what do you know? It's not the real thing. There is a lot of pretend phony faith around. And to people who don't know, it looks fine to them. It sounds fine to them, but they just don't know enough about it. It's not the real thing. It's not. They're pretending to be something. Let me give you something here that will help us immediately. I'm going to give you a couple of things to watch out for you. Are are you ready? To help identify this phony stuff. Don't you want to get rid of the phony stuff and, and get the real thing? Get the real thing. The real thing. Not counterfeit faith. Not assumed faith. Not phony faith. Real faith. Here's a few pointers. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. All of us. Beware of trying to hide everything from everybody. Pride hides. Tries to hide, not wanting other people to know that I'm struggling with this, that I still don't have this, that this is worse. It can be a sign that you're not operating in real faith. You're pretending. Trying to hide everything. Because what's the biggest thing that would bother you if they found out? What would bother you? What's the biggest thing? (laughs) But friend, we're talking about life and death stuff here. There's a lot of people, word and faith people, that ought to go to the doctor. And not make a big deal out of it. I thought you was a faith man. You know it. But it doesn't have to be either or. You can use your faith when you go to the doctor. But I've seen a lot of people trying to pretend they didn't need to go. Trying to pretend their faith was at a place that it's not. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And they die and they're cut off. Well, they go to heaven. They're saved. But they were robbed of years they could have had. Why? Because of their pride. I know a good friend of mine. And a lot of times people are sincere. Good friend of mine, minister friend of mine. Good man of God. Fine man of God. Old school when it comes to faith. And he had a problem. And they could do a little procedure and change it. But he labored over it. And he wrestled with it. And, and one day he said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. And he, he told me about it. And, and, and he said, I, just, I don't want to use means and displease God. I don't want to use means. I tell you, he's old school, previous generation. And he's my elder, so I, I didn't want to uh, speak out of turn, so I didn't say anything that day. I said, I, I, I'll pray and believe with you. So I prayed and sought the Lord. And here's the illustration the Lord gave me. And so a week or two later, I talked to him, and I said, have you thought about this? I said, have you ever had a splinter in your hand or your finger? He said, yeah. I said, did you ever get it out? He said, oh, yeah. I said, how'd you get it out? He said, oh, I took a needle, I took some alcohol, and I took some tweezers. I said, isn't that means? That's an instrument disinfectant, put some 
neosporin on it, a band-aid on it afterwards. I mean, how's that different from what they do at the hospital? Why didn't you just believe God for the uh, splinter to dematerialize? Why didn't you just believe God for it to dematerialize? All things are possible with God. Could God make that splinter dematerialize? Huh? Yeah, but you don't receive according to what God can do. You receive according to your faith. And are you genuinely believing that that splinter will materialize? If the Lord told you. See, how does faith come? Come on, how how does faith come? If you're praying one morning and the Lord tells you, just speak to that thing and I'll take care of it. He could do it easy. But it can be a whole lot easier to just get it out and believe for it to heal up and not have a problem with it. It can be a whole lot easier, depending on where you are, to believe for that than to believe for the other. Faith is not pretend. It's not about pretending something. It's not about playing with something, imagining something. You either believe it or you don't. And if you don't, you don't need to pretend. Back years ago, I was teaching at Ramah. I had a car I was working on, a project. And it was cold, first real cold day in winter. And I went out to start it, and it wouldn't start because the battery was dead. And uh, I went out and I looked at it and I looked at the date thing on the battery. And this thing is like five years old. And, and I said, okay, well, it's first little cold snap. needs to be replaced. And there was a security guard on the property that had the jump start cables. And I went inside and called for him. He said, I'll be there in a few minutes. I'm doing something else. So I came out and stood. I'm standing there by the car with the hood open. And we got students, you know, coming and going. And one of the students came by, his friend. And they said, what's going on? I said, well, it didn't start, and um, looks like the battery's down. So they stood there and looked at me for a minute or two, and looked around, and finally one of them said, aren't you a faith man? I said, I'm learning about faith. And they said, well, why don't you just speak to it? Now, I'm their instructor. This is disrespectful, isn't it? And this is pride. And this is the problem we're talking about. Now they don't stop to think how many things have they ever done. Ignorance and pride. But they're young. I said, well guys, I said, that's not where my faith is right now. They looked at me like, you don't have enough faith to speak to it? I said, listen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing from the Lord. You can't separate real faith from being led by the Spirit. And communing with Him and hearing from Him. You don't just pull something out of the air and say, I'm going to believe for this. No, we're not just talking about faith in generic terms. Faith in God. Faith in God is based on what God told you. I said, here's what I have faith for. Faith that this guy will come. And we'll get this thing going, and I will get to the house, and the Lord's going to give me money to get a new battery. I have full confidence for that. And I'm happy. I said, but now listen, if I was up in Fairbanks, Alaska, and it was 25 below, 
and my family's in the car and there's nobody around to help, I would reach out and believe God to help me. Come on, are you with me? I would reach out to believe him whatever needs to happen. And if I wasn't quite there, I'd say, help me. Help my faith, right? And believe God. But all this stuff about trying, and, and I'm getting to my next point here. Watch about trying to hide things and watch about trying to show other people your faith. Beware of trying to prove to them all that healing is real. That prosperity works. You're not called to prove to them all. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show my husband what I can believe. I'm going to show my wife. I can believe it. I'm going to show them at work. You're probably going to have a failure. Because you've made this about you. You're trying to show off. Pride is involved here. And in real faith, my friend, there is no room for pride. I'm telling you, there is zero place for it. When you really trust in God, it's a place of submission. I said, you're humbling yourself under God. And you're saying, Lord, I trust what you told me. It's not about me trying to prove anything to anybody. Show anybody what I can do. I know what I can do without you. Nothing. Nothing. I can't do anything without you. Faith is very personal. It's between you and God. Forget about trying to impress anybody else. Show anybody else anything. You're not trying to prove anything to family, friends, spouse, fellow Christians. Forget about all that. Forget about all that. This is about you overcoming your issue and getting in good shape. Right? (laughs) It's not I have faith or I go to the doctor. I have faith or I do this and get help in my finances. You need to pray about every situation. And the Lord will meet you where your faith is. And he'll direct you where your faith is. Now, never just put yourself in another man or woman's hands and just do anything and everything they tell you to do. Never. Not with a doctor, not with a lawyer, not with a preacher. Never. I don't care how good they are, care how they're supposed to be the best in the world. I don't care. In every situation, you take it before the Lord. And as they're telling you we need to do this, you're checking in your heart. You're checking in your heart. And some things, the Lord will prompt you, yeah, do that. I'll be with you. I'll help them. I'll help you. It'll be good. Other things, you'll know, no, don't do that. You'll have a check about that. No, no, no. And it's not about showing somebody else you got faith. It's just about following what he's showing you to do. Because faith is based on what he tells you. Maybe somebody else does have faith beyond that. But that's their faith. That's not yours. That's between them and God. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. Go with where you have confidence in yourself. As you pray about it, you think about doing this. And you just can't get settled on that. Something bothers you about that. You think about doing that. And then they did this and they came out good. But still, you don't feel good about that. You're looking at this. You keep praying about it. You don't feel good about doing nothing. You feel like there's something you need to do. Just keep praying. Keep looking at the Lord and keep seeking. The Bible said, seek and you'll find. 
And they'll come, you'll come across it. It'll come across you. And when you hear it, you'll know it. It'll bear witness in you. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you do, that's where you can have faith. That's where your faith is at. That's where your confidence is. I know I went to a hospital to minister to a man some years ago. He was in a bad way. Bad way. He was in excruciating pain. With all the drugs they could give him, is either just knock him out completely or he's almost screaming. And in praying, I'm learning this. I've been in the ministry a few years by this time and I'm learning about, I'm praying as I'm going over to him. I can't fix everything. I'm not the healer. But I know who is. And I believe all things are possible to him that believes. Come on to you, friend. I believe all things are possible to him that believes. And as I'm going over there, it comes up in my spirit what to believe for. I realize it's not my body. I got to get with him. And if he's got no faith, we got to at least get some faith. Somewhere to start. And I just knew Going over there, his faith is not at the place where he's going to jump out of bed healed and go home today. I just, can God do it? Absolutely. But I just knew his faith wasn't there. So where are we going to believe? I'm praying, I'm looking. And as I'm, as I tried to talk to him, he's in pain. He's distracted. He can barely pay attention to me. He don't want to hear a message. I got it. When it came up in my spirit that my confidence leapt up and I knew this is it. This is it. I said, brother, I believe you and I can pray right here, right now, and you will not be any worse tomorrow. Now, a lot of folks might think, hey, he had been getting drastically worse every day. Every day he was markedly worse. You can't keep doing that. I said, I believe you and I can pray, and tomorrow you will not be any worse. You won't get any worse than what you are right now. He looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, I believe that too. Man, we're doing good. Is some faith better than no faith? We prayed. I talked to him a little bit. I shared some scriptures with him. I left. Came back the next day. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Some of his family out in the hall, they were crying about it, but they said, but I'll tell you one thing. He's no worse. Now they didn't know it, but I was dancing on the inside. I thought, glory to God. Why? Because if you can do that, if you can do that, you can go the other way. I went in. I said, brother, you're no worse. I said, God answered our prayer. Because he'd been getting much worse every day. Well, that's just a coincidence. Well, no, no, no. I'm a believer. I said, you know what? I believe you and I could pray today and you'd be a little better tomorrow. A little better. I said, you believe it? He said, you believe it? I said, I believe it. I'm convinced. He said, well, me too. Pray. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think? I mean, it it wasn't off the charts now. It wasn't much. But Not only is he not any worse, but he is enough he could tell a little bit. This other wasn't any better, but this thing was a little better. A little bit. I acted like we had won the the victory. With him, 
I did. I acted like, well, that's it. That, we got it, man. We got. I said, glory to God, brother. We're on the way back now. We're not just dropping off the cliff anymore. We started back the other way. Is that right? We started back the other way. Now, a lot of people might despise that, but this was real to me and it was real to him. You can pray a bunch of big phony stuff and imagine something and get nothing, or you can get real with God and get something. I said, brother, I believe we can get some more tomorrow. Let's believe God for some more. Better. Better. Even even more. We did that for like, I think it was like a week. He got better. He got better. And the last time or so, he's sitting up in bed. He's not groaning with pain. We're able to have a decent conversation. We're talking. He's still uncomfortable. I wasn't able to go back for the next few days. And then I went back. And the doctor met me. He said, well, we sent him home. Sent him home. (laughs) He got so good. He didn't need the medication. He's home. That's a victory. I said, that's a victory. That's a victory. There was a woman that was in healing school. I forget what it was. One of these debilitating diseases that your limbs get drawn up. And you can't use your hands, you can't use your arms. It got worse and worse until she's in a chair. She can't move, she can't walk, she can't do anything. A lot of people just give up and wait to die. But we believe all things are possible to him that believes. We talked about it, we preached about it. She was there for weeks. And finally I realized there's no action in faith. You can't just... Drink, drink in, drink in, and feed. You got to act your faith to get some results. But it can't just be trying something. It's got to be something you're confident in. So I went and talked to her. I said, Sister, we need to step out in faith. I said, Where, where's your faith at? What sounds, you know, reachable to you? Don't just do nothing. Do something. You know, back in the days of Brother Oral Roberts' healing revivals, he'd tell people, if you can't walk, bring your shoes. Hmm? Bring your shoes. Bring your socks. Get ready. Do something. If you can't move anything but your nose, move it. Right? You got to give God something to work with. And she said, well, Brother Keith, I mean, she's drawn up in the chair like this. She, she can't even turn her head. She can't do anything. She was once an athletic, healthy, strong woman, and now she's reduced to this. Anybody in here got a question about whether that's God or not for her to be like that? I hope you don't. God did not make a beautiful body and a frame and a healthy and then put this twisted junk into it to distort it until it barely resembles what he created. Do not tell me he did. And she told me, she said, well, I, you know, I, I, I want to do everything. I said, I know it, but don't, don't think about all that. We got to see where our confidence is, where our faith is. We talked and talked, and I'm checking my heart. And finally, we got it. I said, what about making the bed? Her eyes lit up. She said, making the bed. I said, yeah. Yeah, I believe that you and I could pray, and God would help you to make your bed. She said, I do, too. I do too. Well, I could see her eyes. I could see something's going on behind there. And without knowing it, I can see she can see herself making her bed. I said, let's pray. Let's believe God. We prayed. We took hands. We asked for whatever it took for her to be able to do that. 
She came back the next day. She said it took me two or three hours and it didn't look very good. But I did it. I did it. Man, she was elated. She's still in that chair. She's still drawn. But this is a victory. Come on, can you see it? For This is a victory. If you just give up and say, well, that's it. They said it's going to get worse. Nothing can happen. Well, for you it is impossible. And I won't go into all the details, but time after time, a thing after thing, she believed God to do this. She believed God. Then she believed God. She's going to get from the bed to the bathroom on her own. It took hours. It was hard, but she did it. She's going to believe God to get from her bedroom to the living room. She's going to believe God to get from there to get a drink for herself. You know, in three months, she's walking around the house. Walking around the house. Under her own power. Nobody holding. Now, you know, it was rickety. But hey, three months before, she's in the chair. Can't move. They picked her up. They put her in the chair, picked her up, put her in the car. She walked around the house. In another two months, she's walking around the block. The block. Oh, I don't know if y'all are happy about this as I am. I was there. I was there. I'm a witness. Now, you could have said, we're going to believe this, and this is going to happen, and you're going to jump out of this chair right now. Can God do that? You know he can. He has, he does, he can. But we don't receive according to what God can do. We receive according to our faith. And we must not be playing and pretending that we believe something when we don't. Because that's just going to frustrate us and everybody around about us. And you're not going to get results. And it's going to go on and on and on. It's going to get worse. God will meet us where we are. But not where we're pretending we are. Do you know what God's getting us ready for? You know what God's getting us ready for? Stand on your feet everybody. Oh thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our praise. Let's lift up our thanks. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you, Lord. Close your eyes, everybody. Here at Branson, on the internet, everybody said out loud, Father God, forgive me. Forever doing anything, phony, pretend, not real, I know that you are the truth. You are real, and you can't have anything to do with phony, false, pride. Show me anything, everything that's pride, pretend, phony, not genuine, not real faith. And by your grace and help, I'll put it from myself. I'll cut it off and do it no more. Help me to realize what real faith is, 
where I really am, what I really can believe for, what I really can do. And I'm saying right now, I believe in you. I believe in your goodness. I believe in your power. I believe that all things are possible to those that believe. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.